Welcome to the New Point Community Church Podcast. This message is part of our series, Life is Complicated, We Can Help. We want to thank you for joining us, and we hope you continue to realize and reach your full potential in Jesus Christ. Hey, New Point, can you believe it's August the 1st? I'm telling you, where did our summer go? It really went fast, but we're glad that you are joining us, whether you're at one of our locations in Canton or Worcester, Millersburg, Coshocton, Cambridge, or Dover, or if you're joining us online or around the world, you know, we're so honored that you would choose to spend some time with us. Now, here's what I want you to know. I am so excited about what I'm gonna share with you today because it's going to be very personal. But at the same time, it's going to be about you and I as new point of what God has for you and me. Because here's what I believe. God believes in you. And more importantly, he loves you. And he has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a vision for your life. But he also has one for new point. And that's why he's brought us together. And so today, we're kicking off a brand new series, and I'm jacked about it, folks. It's called Plus One, Plus One. And we're calling it that for a few reasons. First of all, we believe, I believe, that it only takes one person to create a movement, that God plus one equals the majority. Never forget that. If God be for you, who could be against you? We also believe that God is ready to move. God is ready to do something in our day that will blow you away and that will bring honor and glory to him in our world. And it starts with you. It starts with me. It just starts with one. And then here's the third thing. We really believe, John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And that's what plus one is all about. Who are you gonna take to heaven with you? Who are you gonna introduce Jesus to? Because here's what we believe. We believe that everybody spends forever somewhere. And we not only believe that, we believe that Jesus makes life better and he makes us better at life. And so God wants to start with you. Yeah, you. You say, me? Yeah, you, plus one. And at the end of this series, as we conclude it, I'm gonna ask you, who's your plus one? Who are you investing in? Who does God want you to be able to invest in and to be able to share? his love, and his plan, and his purpose for their life? Who are you committed to in letting them know that Jesus really does make life better, and he makes us better at life? You see, I'm not challenging you to reach the world. I'm challenging you to start with just one. That one person, maybe at work, maybe a golfing buddy, Maybe a a, a woman that you played cards with. I don't know. But here's what I believe. God plus one. God plus you equals the majority. Now, for us to be able to learn how this works, 
we're going to look at a man named Nehemiah because Nehemiah was that plus one. God and him made the majority, and he brought about hope and healing to a whole nation. You see, Nehemiah's name means comfort. When somebody hears your name, what does it mean to them? You see, when they heard Nehemiah, they meant, okay, he's going to bring comfort. He's going to bring hope. He's going to bring healing. And so what I want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you to read through the book of Nehemiah. It's not that long. Read through it and get a pen and underline it especially if you're interested in leadership because it's probably the best book on leadership I've ever read. And so today what I want to do is I want to share with you how do you embrace God's purpose for your life? How do you begin to live out plus one? How do you begin to understand God's vision because he has one for you? What does it mean to be dissatisfied with anything else other than God's best, other than God's plan, other than God's purpose. You see, here's what I've come to believe. Life is a journey, and every journey has a destination, and everybody ends up somewhere in life. But here's what we know. Few people end up somewhere on purpose. Why? Because it takes a clear vision, along with courage, to follow through. And when you have a clear vision and you have the courage to follow through, it dramatically increases your chances of coming to the end of your life and looking back with a deep sense of satisfaction and saying, you know what? I lived with purpose. I lived with meaning. I did what I was supposed to do. My life was well lived. Somebody has said that you only need to do life once if you do it well. And the only way that you and I can do that is with a clear vision from God. But without a clear vision, odds are you'll come to the end of your life and you will wonder what could have been done, what should have been done. And like so many, you will wonder whether or not your life even mattered at all. You see, when you and I embrace God's vision, God's purpose in our life, it brings a sense of significance. And the the meaningless details of our life begin to take on meaning and purpose. And you begin to have an understanding of the small things of life. You see, it's not always about what we're doing. It's really more about why we're doing it. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you would be excited to spend all day filling bags with dirt? I'm sure none of us would, okay? It would be frustrating. We'd probably be complaining. But if you knew it was in order to build a a ditch or a, a channel around your city so that it would not be flooded, then what happens is it takes on a whole different meaning, even though it's not glamorous. But filling bags with dirt now takes on a whole different meaning when you understand the vision, the purpose of why you're doing it. 
and it's much more than just a chore. And the same is true for a vision. When you understand the why, when you understand the purpose, then what happens is the routines of life take on a whole different meaning. The responsibilities that you fulfill take on a whole different meaning because you see it completely different, because you see it through the eyes of a vision, of a purpose. You see, what happens is this. Vision makes everything look different. Vision brings your world into focus. It brings order out of chaos. A clear vision enables you and I to see everything different. Everything different. Now, maybe you're like me. Maybe you're a leadership person and, and you love to read about leadership. And so you've heard about vision and the importance of it. And you've read about it. And there's plenty of self-help books out there that tell us how to get a vision and how to set goals and how to be able to, to lead from that. They teach you, if you can believe it, you can what? Achieve it. While the average person may have the right to dream his or her own dreams and develop their own picture and their own plan for their life. If you are a Christ follower, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, you don't have that right anymore. Y'all okay? You don't have that right because you have surrendered that to Christ. And we give up our right to be in charge when we accept Jesus Christ as the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our life. We surrender that. And if we don't position ourselves to discover that vision, we will consistently fall short of God's best. And life will not be fulfilling. It will not be fruitful. But if we do embrace that, we say, God, what is your plan? What is your vision for my life? How do I live out this plus one? Then what happens is your life will take on a whole different meaning and fulfillment. You see, Paul understood this. Paul wrote this. He said, for we are God's masterpiece. He's talking about people who have accepted Jesus Christ as the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their life. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can what? Do good things he planned for us long ago. See, God has the perfect plan for your life. He has the perfect vision for your life. And so why would you and I think up something on our own? What could be more fulfilling than living out the plan and the purpose of the one who knitted us together in our mother's womb? The one who died so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins and be made whole. You see, what happens is you, 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 don't under, you don't fully understand this because what happens is apart from living out God's plan and God's purpose, you will settle for second best and you will be in that all too common position of looking back on life, wondering what could have been. You see, listen, life is more than just accumulating green pieces of paper with dead presidents on it or accumulating money and possessions and stuff. You see, what happens is that could be someone's vision. 
but it will leave you wondering if there was something more. Because you might experience success, but I like to say that success is like pop. It tastes good, but it doesn't quench your thirst. And it'll leave you wanting significance, wondering what could have been done, what should have been done while I was here on earth. And so what is vision? What is truly vision? Where does vision come from? I love what one author has said. A vision is born in the soul of a man or a woman who is consumed with the tension between what is and what could be. Wow. Do you get that? You see, what happens is a vision, and we're going to see this in Nehemiah, a vision is birth when a person is consumed with the tension between what is and what could be. They're dissatisfied. They're brokenhearted about the way that things are in light of the way in which they could be, they should be. And what happens is when you have this tension between what is and what could be, what happens is God will birth a vision in you and your whole life will take on purpose and meaning. In fact, that's why we exist as New Point. 37 years ago, you know what? I was living this out of what is and what could be. And I realized that most people believed in God. They just didn't believe in the local church. And the local church gave a poor representation of who God was. And I encountered Jesus. And because I encountered Jesus, he transformed my life. And I thought to myself, I want to help people understand God, that he's not mad at him, that he loves them, and that Jesus makes life better and that he makes us better at life. And so I wanted to change that. And so as a 24-year-old, I came to Sugar Creek, Ohio. And what was and what could be was fueled with passion and conviction because I believed that something had to change. You see, a vision is more than just what could be. If it's just what could be, it's nothing more than just a dream. But a vision, a true vision, a vision of, of God, when you see what is and what could be, is fueled with conviction and passion. It's something that has to happen. It's something that must happen. It moves you from being passive to having a bias for action. You see, conviction is what gives a vision, a sense of urgency. And vision always, listen to me, vision always stands in contrast to the world as it is because vision always demands change. It always requires someone, plus one, to risk, to stick their neck out because they believe that things have to change. They believe that, that things cannot remain the way that they are. And so they have this courage and passion that swells up inside of them, that causes them to act in spite of all the other voices that they hear. And unless you and I are willing to recognize what's going on and become dissatisfied, 
with where we are. We can never move forward. And we can't become dissatisfied until we understand the current reality. And so that was Nehemiah. Let me give you a background as we jump in. In 587 BC, the Babylonians had invaded Judah and they destroyed the city of Jerusalem along with Solomon's temple. And this was the third of three campaigns in that region. And everything the Jews, everything the Jews had was wiped out completely. The temple and their homes completely destroyed. Completely destroyed. And they had become displaced. Now move forward 70 years. After the invasion of the Babylonians, Cyrus, the king of Persia, gave the Jews permission to return back to their homeland, Jerusalem, and rebuild the temple. And under the leadership of Zerubbabel, they did that. He took the exiled Jews back, and they returned, and they rebuilt the temple. And things were looking good for a while, and it looked like they were going to be able to experience the favor of God and the blessing of God once again. However, the people refused to turn from their sin the sin that God had judged their ancestors for. And so the temple was not being maintained and they were not offering sacrifices and worshiping in a way that honored God. And the Jews continued to adopt the religious practices and the culture around them. And the reality was in every way, politically, socially, and spiritually, they were rotten. And Jerusalem was deplorable. Sounds a little bit like today, right? Politically, socially, spiritually, we're bankrupt. And yet, meanwhile, back in Persia, there was a Jewish man named Nehemiah Comfort. And he heard about the condition of his homeland. And this is where the story really captures this whole thought that God just needs one person who decides that their reality is unacceptable. And what is cannot remain. And it needs to be what should be. And Nehemiah was that man. And as we read in chapter one, we see how Nehemiah recognizes a need. And that propels him to be able to be plus one and bring hope and healing to a whole nation God wants to use you in that way in maybe your friend's life or your co-worker's life and bring hope and healing. Let's look at this. Recognize the need. How do you recognize the need? The same way that Nehemiah did. First, you got to ask the question. You got to ask the question. Look what's recorded in chapter one. I asked them, Nehemiah's talking, about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. You see, the first thing that you have to do is you have to define reality. Matter of fact, it's one of the first things that leaders do. You have to define reality. You cannot keep your head in the sand. You see, so many people today are not willing to ask the question. They're afraid of asking the question. But you and I know that ignorance is not bliss, right? You see, we don't really want to know the reality of the situation. 
because we think that if we don't know the reality of it, we're not responsible for it. And so it's easier for you and I to pretend that everything is okay, but you and I know in our world today, in our society today, everything's not okay. You see, truth is understood when someone is willing to ask the uncomfortable questions, the hard questions. And Nehemiah did that. And that's the difference between a leader and a follower. A leader is willing to ask the tough questions and then not run away from the need, but run towards the need. So Nehemiah, he asked the right questions. So you and I need to ask the questions. So let me ask you, what questions are you asking today about your marriage? about your family, about your workplace, about your community, about your schools. You see, listen, followers only pay attention to what is right in front of them. Leaders, people of influence, ask questions because they need to find out what's really going on. And so Nehemiah asked the questions and look what he got for an answer. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. Wow. Goes on. He says, the wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. He got the worst news possible. But he had the courage to ask the question. And so let me ask you a question. Are you aware of the needs around you, in your family, in your schools, in your community, in your workplace? Are you asking any questions? I hope you are. I hope you are. No matter what the answer would be. You see, what you don't acknowledge, you won't address. And Nehemiah understood that. The writer continues. When I heard this, Nehemiah speaking, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. You see, what happened is he asked the question. He didn't get the answer that he had hoped for. And it broke his heart. It moved him. And he saw what was. And it disturbed him. And he developed a burden. But here's the good news. He embraced reality. He didn't deny it. He asked the question, didn't get the answer that he wanted, and it caused him to weep. It caused him to to mourn. And he was so moved by what he heard. It just destroyed him. It destroyed him. It wasn't that he was weak or he was emotionally unstable. He just could not believe that was the condition. And so he was burdened. And so he prayed and he fasted and he developed a deep, deep burden. I ask you a question today. What breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? What causes you to weep? And you just say, you know what? This shouldn't be. This shouldn't be going on. This shouldn't be happening. Good question, isn't it? See, Nehemiah did that. He didn't sit down and just say, ah, you know what, this is too big, this is too great. I wish I could do something, it's just me. I'm just one. 
I hate what's going on, but there's nothing I can do. No, you know what he did? He brings it to God. He brings it to God. He basically says, hey, you know what, God? This is too big for me, but it's not too big for you. So look what he says here in this prayer. He says, oh, Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Wow. He goes on. He says, look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. He's owning part of the problem, okay? Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands and decrees and regulations that you gave us through your servant, Moses. Wow. So when you ask the question and you embrace the reality, what do you do with that? When it's overwhelming, and the burden is great. You know what you do? You bring it to God. You bring it to God because he has a vision for that specific situation. Because listen to me, a vision is an answer to a problem. So let me ask you a question. Do you have a vision for your marriage? A vision is a preferable future. Do you have a vision for your, your family? Do you have a vision for your workplace? Do you have a vision for your kids? You see, listen, what God wants to do is he wants to give you a vision as you talk to him, as you pray to him. That's why next week we're kicking off 21 days of prayer. And I want you to pray to this God who is great and awesome that Nehemiah introduces us to. And I want you to ask him, God, give me a vision for my family, for my marriage, for my workplace, for my community, for me. And, and it's going to be 21 days, and I want to encourage you. You can pick this up at the info desk today, or you can download it from the website. But what you want to be able to do is you want to be able to get a vision from God. Now, here's what you need to understand. When your vision from God is truly from him, it'll be overwhelming. It will seem impossible. That's why God plus one equals the what? The majority. There'll always be more questions than answers. There'll always be more obstacles than solution. But never let the how come before the what. You see, Nehemiah said, what, what, what do you want me to do? God will figure out the how, but you and I need to know, what do you want me to do? God, what's your vision? What's your plan for my life? And the what of the vision always proceeds the how because God is always working behind the scenes. And he was in Nehemiah's day. And as you read the book, you'll find out that God had already been at work. He just needed one person who was like Popeye. You say, what do you mean Popeye? I love Popeye. I just can't stand it no more. That was Nehemiah. He saw what was, and he thought about what could be or what should be. And it was fueled with conviction and passion. And so that brings me to this last one, and that is this. Recognize the need to ask the question, embrace the reality, bring it to God, and make yourself available. You make yourself available. I'll be that one. Look at what Nehemiah says. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. That's why we're going to call everybody to 21 days of prayer. 
Then he says this, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Who's the man? It's the king. It's who Nehemiah worked for. And you did not go into the presence of the king unless he asked you to. And Nehemiah was saying, give me success today by granting me favor with him. You see, he made himself available. And the most important ability is availability. And availability means that you're going to trust God. You're going to believe in God. You're going to be flexible. You're going to let God lead you and guide you because he's great and awesome as Nehemiah prayed. You see, Nehemiah did not have all the answers of how he was going to help Jerusalem rebuild its walls and reestablish the gates. But he knew that he had a great God, an awesome God. You see, when God gives you a vision, when God gives you a plan, you never have all the answers. If you have all the answers, it's not from God. You see, Nehemiah didn't have all the answers. What he was is he was consumed between the tension of what was and what should be. What consumes you? When you look at our world, when you look at our society, when you look around us, what consumes you? You see, what consumed Nehemiah was this. It shouldn't be this way. It should be this way. And so he prayed that God would give him success. And he says, grant me favor in the king's eyes. And Nehemiah made himself available. And then at the end of chapter one, Nehemiah just concludes this. I was cupbearer to the king. Listen to me. He wasn't a priest. He didn't work in the temple. (laughs) He was a layman. He was a layman, but he became so dissatisfied with the way in which his world was that he says, it shouldn't be this way. It should be this way. And it was fueled with a passion and conviction that even though he was just a cupbearer, a lay person, if you will. He caught God's vision. And as we're going to see, God plus him equaled the majority. Around 150 years ago, there was another man. You know what his name was? His name was D.L. Moody. And he really experienced these four things that I just shared about Nehemiah. And he came to this conclusion. He said, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated, fully surrendered to him. And by God's help, I aim to be that man. You know what D.L. Moody set out to do? To rebuild the walls of a broken country, a shattered country. To reestablish the gates so that people wouldn't be vulnerable. The enemy could not come in and steal from them and rob them and destroy them. And if you read about D.L. Moody, who was a layperson, matter of fact, he had a fifth grade education. Hello. He flunked his membership class at his church. 
but he was possessed with what was and what should be. And he changed his world. They say over a million, listen to me, over a million people came to know Christ because of D.L. Moody's influence. Wow. So let me ask you a question as we wrap up. What's our reality today in 2021? I, I think it's much like Nehemiah talked about in his day. The walls have been torn down and the gates have been burned. Politically, socially, spiritually, truth be known, we're bankrupt. We're vulnerable to the enemy and we see him running wild. And there should be something, if you are a Christ follower, that rises up inside of you that leaves you dissatisfied. Not asking the question, is the church being persecuted? Forget that. Are you dissatisfied with where we're at politically, socially, spiritually? And do you have the conviction and do you have the passion that will carry you to the point of you're saying, you know what? I'm going to do something about it. Imagine with me if everyone who calls New Point their home would begin to, to see what could be and what should be and that it is fueled with the conviction and the passion that it must be. What would happen in our communities? What would happen in our schools? What would happen in our workplaces? I think you'd be amazed at what God would do. Why? Because God plus one equals the majority. And I'm not asking you to change your community. I'm not asking you to change your workplace. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to take one person and be able to say, you know what? I want to help them reestablish the walls in their life that have been torn down. I, I, I want to restore the gates that have been burnt in their life so that they can experience hope and healing and forgiveness and purpose in their life. Nehemiah prayed, and I want to encourage you again that all of us would embrace this 21 days of prayer and that you would begin to pray to God and just ask the question, God, open my eyes so that I can see as you see, so that I'll do what you're asking me to do. Nehemiah did that. He was never the same, and his world was never the same. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for how you have kept stories like Nehemiah, and they serve as examples. They, they serve as, as a witness to what you can do through a man or a woman who is fully consecrated, fully surrendered, fully devoted to you. I pray today that we would aim to be that man, that woman, and that we would embrace the plus one, that you would burden our hearts for maybe a family member, a friend who does not know Jesus Christ as the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their life, 
who do not understand that Jesus makes life better, and he makes us better at life. I pray, God, that we would embrace this and become dissatisfied. And from that dissatisfaction, it would be fueled with conviction and passion that would carry us through so that we can see what you would do when we respond to you with all of our heart. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you want to talk to someone about a decision you've made or let us know how God's moving through this series, visit newpoint.org forward slash contact. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on social media, download our app, subscribe to our weekly podcasts through the App Store or Google Play, or catch us on Roku or Apple TV. Thanks for listening to today's message, and we hope you continue to realize and reach your full potential in Jesus Christ.